The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome. You've entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simran Singh. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Learn to empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simran Singh. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2012. I'm thrilled to have you with me in the first show of the year this year. I want to ask you some questions so that we can get you really thinking about some things. Because somewhere in your mind, you've been mulling over what's going on in our world. And I want to ask, what have you been thinking about? What have you been complaining about or ignoring or perhaps getting angry over? What's keeping you sleep from sleeping at night or giving you enough reason to escape into some other things? Well, 2012 is part of a birthing. We've had several shows in the past with Barbara Marks Hubbard, Jack Canfield, William Gladstone, uh, Dr. Jean Houston, and they've all been speaking about this birthing that's taking place in 2012. In fact, they even invited you to a party that's supposed to take place, so we extended that invitation. But what we're doing today is actually inviting you to not just go to the party, but to show up. My guest today is Neil Donald Walsh, and he has written The Storm Before the Calm. This book is wonderful because it's not only inviting you, it's asking you to be a part of this conversation. It's inviting you to have an experience in which you participate. This is your opportunity to join others from around the world in conversation so that you can ask certain questions, wonderful questions that he has brought forward, and not get into the complaining, the ignoring, the anger, the being kept up at night, or even escaping into other things. This is your opportunity to move through the storm and into the calm. I'd like to welcome Neil Donald Walsh to 1111 Talk Radio. Thank you, Simran. And you know, it's not just an opportunity to ask questions, but to supply answers. The whole point of the work that we are initiating uh, is to give people an opportunity to do more than ask questions, but in fact, to supply their own best answer. It's my thought, it's my awareness, it's my observation, it's my understanding that people everywhere truly have the wisdom, the insight within them to provide answers not just to their own daily what-should-I-do-with-my-life problems and challenges, but in fact to the larger challenges and problems faced by humanity as a whole. People are simply not being asked. And so what we have created is a platform uh, on which people from all over the world can respond to the questions and offer their own wisdom. And I might say before we get too deeply into that, that the response in just the first three months Three, I guess three and a half months that the website has been up, uh, that this platform has been available, has been phenomenal. We've had nearly a quarter of a million wow. independent uh, um, visits to the site, 
And if you add up the return visits, 1.7 million pages on that website have been visited in the past three and a half months with 8 million hits on the site. Uh, so we're pretty clear that we've caught a wave and that people are excited about uh, what you and I are going to talk about today. Well, and that site is called the globalconversation.com, and we're going to go more into that. I want to expound a little bit on what you just said, because I think for so long we have been caught up in our own heads. We've been having our own conversation, which has been a monologue. And what's beautiful about this book and the website and the work that you're doing is that it is a conversation. So it's that back and forth. And when when we bring our heads together, when we bring our hearts together, the ideas can flow and we can come up with the answers because we do have them on the inside, don't we, Neil? We absolutely do, you know, and, uh, and not only do we have the answers on the inside, but there's a great commonality of answers. That is, I am observing that more people than not share essentially the same answers. It's pretty astonishing to me, given that people everywhere seem to have the same feeling, both about what's going on, the problems facing us, and the easy and obvious solutions, that we should still be somehow unable to implement the solutions or put them into place uh, on this planet. Although I'm fairly clear why that's so. It, it is because simply the solutions that the average person on the street sees very clearly are not embraced or wanting to be embraced by the many levels of establishment around us. That is the in, in military-industrial complex, uh, the many of the worlds, but not all of them, organized uh, uh, political parties, many of the worlds, but not all of them, organized religions, and the other institutions of society from top to bottom, which have a vested interest in things staying pretty much as they are. So what we find is a population, not just in America, but in every country of the world, really, when you travel the world as I do, and talk to people on the ground, just ordinary folks on the street, everywhere from Singapore to Berlin, they will tell you the same thing I'm saying to you now. The answers are not that mysterious. This is not rocket science. The problem is not that we don't have the answers. The problem is that we are fighting institutionalization all across the board that simply has a vested interest in not embracing these new answers. And, and in the book, The Storm Before the Calm, you really talk about this being the overhaul of humanity. So all of this commonality that people are feeling around the world that you're speaking of, they're sensing that because of all of the angst and turmoil and things that we're seeing caused by these institutional-type uh, entities. And is that overhaul of humanity something that is naturally occurring, or is that something that we have to take charge and be responsible enough to allow to come forward? Well, the answer is yes to both questions. It is naturally occurring, um, and we can cause it to occur in a particular way. We can cause it to happen as we would choose and want to have it happen uh, if we will simply play the role that the process itself has designed for us to play. This, this process that I call the overhaul of humanity is occurring uh, with increasing speed and with great emphasis in the days and times ahead, precisely because the uh, institutions which oppose uh, not every, but many of the important changes that society needs to see take place right now uh, are standing in the way of these things occurring. However, uh, their, their opposition is going to be very short-lived, relatively speaking, because the financial system, 
the global economic uh, system, the global educational system, the global political system, as we see in country after country after country these days, and for that matter, in many ways, the global spiritual institutions and spiritual system, if you will, if you will, all these systems are beginning to disintegrate. Fortunately for us, it's not all happening at the same time and at the same rate, or we would really have the utter dissolution of human society. But it's happening very, very slowly and, and, and incrementally. Nevertheless, over a period of years, if we are not prepared to participate actively in the overhaul, we will see changes occurring that we do not welcome. I want to make mention of the fact, uh, Simran, that the word overhaul does not mean the utter dismantling uh, of anything. When one overhauls an engine, one may take certain parts out and replace them. But the process of overhaul is a process of repair. It's a process of evaluating what needs to be repaired and then simply repairing it and rebuilding. So when you talk to a mechanic about overhauling an engine, he speaks in terms of rebuilding your engine such that it works better, perhaps, than it ever did before, and certainly better than it has been working in recent times when the engine was breaking down. So the overhaul of humanity is nothing to fear. It's not, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do, the overhaul of humanity. In fact, it is a disassembling and a, then a reassembling, a rebuilding of uh, the engine of society itself on this planet. However, Neil, I, w- I Neil, would when add you just say that, small... when you say that overhaul, so many people do go into that fear about, well, that means things are going to change, and then I'm going to have to change, and all of this sort of conversation goes on in their head. But in fact, there's probably more risk in us allowing things to stay the same than in letting things change and, and consciously activating that change. Well, things are going to change anyway. It's not a question of whether things are going to change. It's a question of how, and it's a question of who is going to sponsor the change, who is going to create the change, who is going to be in charge of the change. So You're not going to avoid change. Change is the process of life itself. In fact, everything is changing every single minute of our lives, literally everything. Nothing remains the same from minute to minute. So change is a natural product of the process we call life, and that's not going to, that's not going to be different tomorrow than it is today. So you can't avoid change, but the question really is, who is going to be creating the change? Who is sponsoring the change? Who is, in a sense, in charge of it? We can stand by and watch these changes occur, as observers, members of, a, of an audience, of, you know, the, 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 as they say years ago, you have the peanut gallery, or we can decide that, in fact, we're in the driver's seat and we are the sponsors and the creators of the changes we wish to see. That's the decision that faces humanity at this hour. And these decisions and this conversation, this global conversation, this overhauling of humanity, this is all leading to what you call a new cultural story. Yes, the uh, difficulties that we are encountering right now on the earth and those that we will be encountering in the days and weeks ahead are, uh, cha- are created, these difficulties have been created by the current cultural story. That is the story that we tell ourselves about ourselves. The things we say to our children and, in fact, that we say to each other around the water cooler, you know, in political meetings, at church, everywhere, wherever we meet people on the tennis court, the things we say to each other about who, in fact, we are, that is, as a species, about what is true about human beings in general. And then, more specifically, the story we tell each other about what is so concerning large topics like what God wants, who God is, and how we respond to God's 
dare I say it, demands or requests of us, and other topics of not quite so cerebral, but very practical. What is the political system that works best in the world? What is the economic system that we should be following on this planet? What are the social interactions and constructions that best serve humanity and best represent who and what we are and who and what we choose to be? These are questions that people rarely discuss. We, we read certain aspects of these in the newspapers. We watch television. And as you suggested, we go tisk tisk tisk. what's going on in our world. But we don't play, that is the largest number of people, don't play an active role in exploring these uh, discussions, these areas of human interaction, much less choosing to allow to grow from those discussions movements that could create change. The few people who are doing it are, in fact, creating change. That's what happened in half the countries uh, in Europe and in uh, uh, North Africa and so forth over the past several months, you know, the Arab Spring, and now, more lately, the Occupy movement. Interestingly enough, however, when people gather together to create that kind of change, growing out of their conversations and discussions about what is not working, when they gather together to create change, often they are criticized. The Occupy movement has come in for a great deal of, in my view, unjustifiable criticism. No one could deny for a minute that most of the comments, most of the observations made by the Occupy movement about what is not working in America and around the world for that matter, no one could argue for a minute that most of those observations are accurate. It is, in fact, true, whether that, who knows what the exact percentage is, whether it's 1% and 99 or 5 and 95, but there's no question, no question about it, that the tiniest percentage of human beings control by far the vast, largest percentage of human wealth and resources. Neil, I want to continue that conversation after the commercial break. I am with Neil Donald Walsh. He is the author of the best-selling series, Conversations with God, and he has released a new human manifesto, The Storm Before the Calm. It is book one in the Conversations with Humanity series. Within this wonderful book, you are going to discover some things such as that there's a major shift occurring on this planet. There's nothing to be afraid of if we play our role in this shift, and that our role to play is an easy one. It involves having a fabulous conversation revolving around several, seven simple questions that we will be reviewing. It's time for us to place before humanity a new cultural story, sending us in brand new directions in politics, economics, culture, education, relationships, work, marriage, sexuality, and parenting. You can get involved in this and be a part of the experience by going to theglobalconversation.com. I have, as my guest again, Neil Donald Walsh, and you can also find out more about him at cwgvillage.com. We'll be right back. Your online community for positive change. Seventh Wave Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 
is 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. The new home for visionary positive change. Seventh Wave Network. listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. There's a rumble. Have you been listening to it? There's also a murmur going on underneath the surface. Can you feel that? It's the conversation within you wanting to take place. It's time to stop talking to yourself and time to start engaging with the rest of humanity. The storm before the calm is in place, and we need to find a way through that. Neil Donald Walsh has written a new human manifesto, The Storm Before the Calm. It is book one in the Conversations with Humanity series, and it is a wonderful book. There's so much rich information in here. I urge you definitely to go out and get your copy because it is a guide, along with a conversation, about the overhaul of humanity. And it allows you to step into a new cultural story that is going to be co-created by you and other people adding their thoughts, their inspirations, their heartfelt hopes, and their dreams for the world to be placed before humanity in a separate book entitled Our Collective Dreams, A New Cultural Story for Humanity. And this book will be read around the world, and it will be something that you co-author. I invite you to visit theglobalconversation.com to find out more about this and to join the dialogue where you can post a lot of your discussions and read what other people are saying as well. Neil, this is an interesting conversation because so many uh, books talk at you and so many things are a monologue and this is an experience and in my opinion the whole reason we came to this planet was really our soul wanted to experience and so what you're asking of all of us to be part of this conversation is really fulfilling a soul purpose as well because we're engaging ourselves we're experiencing ourselves and isn't that really what it's all about, whether it is the, the heights of success or whether it is the angst of turmoil and change that has to happen and things that seem to be falling apart? All of that is to see how we react, what we think, how we think, and what we're going to do. It is to provide us further with an opportunity to not merely see how we're going to react, but determine it in advance that the purpose of life is to provide humanity itself, every living soul, with an opportunity to announce and declare, to express and experience, to become and to fulfill the next highest version of the greatest vision ever we held mm. about who we are. And that, in turn, has an even larger purpose, which is to allow that which we call divine, that which we call divinity itself, the totality, if you please, the unmoved mover, the singularity, or, in my language, God, to allow God to know itself in its own experience through the expression of all things living, of all things physical, including, of course, us. And so 
the human soul has a very particular and exciting, inspiring, igniting, and dynamic agenda. The agenda of the soul is to use the conditions arising in everyday life, conditions, by the way, which we cause to arise, both individually and collectively, to use the conditions arising as the perfect contextual field within which we might know and declare and then express and experience and then recreate in the next grandest notion who we really are. When life is held in that particular context, when we see the events of our day-to-day holding that particular notion, all fear and apprehension about the events of our life, whether personal events close in or global events way out there in the distance, become gifts to us from life itself. We praise them, we are grateful for them, and then we use them as tools with which to fashion the experience and the expression of our grandest notion of self. This is what every master who has ever walked the planet has done. In fact, an examination of the lives of the masters have shown that they have done nothing else except just what I've described. And you write about that, uh, talking about it being the first belief that we have to change, is that we have to get past our belief in our bystanderness, that we're not the victims here, that yes. we, can't, we are the empowered master here. We are ready. We have to step into that mastery. Yes, and, and, and of course, the, uh, I love the, the turn of phrase, our bystanderness, and, which was given to me in an inspiration, I think, from you know, the wisdom within all of us. And, and in fact, the sad part about that, Simran, is that the idea that we are, in fact, bystanders, largely, that there's not much we can do about these circumstances and events of life on the planet, or even, for that matter, often in our own lives, it seems like we are the victim of circumstances, etc. The, the, the story that, that we are essentially bystanders is a story that's been given to us. We didn't come to that conclusion willy-nilly or just off the wall. That's a story that's been said and told to us by our ancestors, by our cultures, in fact, by our religions, in fact, by our political parties, in fact, by the Earth's many philosophies. The whole notion of who we are in relationship to the events of our life has been given to us by our standing culture. That's why I say, and that's what, why God said to me in the book, The New Revelations, nothing now, this is an important statement, Sinran. Let me complete this in one fell swoop, in one short sentence. Nothing that is wrong with humanity and its experience right now could not be solved by a simple and elegant change in its cultural story. Mm. Repeat that one more time, Neil. Nothing that is going wrong, that we disapprove of, that we are afraid of, nothing that is not the way we would like it to be, in humanity's experience of itself, could not be solved, healed, and changed by a simple rewriting of humanity's cultural story. That is, we need to tell a new story to ourselves about ourselves. And the story begins with a very simple question. Who am I? Mm-hmm. Who are we? What are we doing here? What is our essential purpose in life? What is the point of it all? And how can we begin to implement the answers that become apparent when those questions are asked from the level of the soul's wisdom. Now, you've listed questions within the book that are the ones that we should begin with and start to ask. And before we get into some of that, I want to elaborate on what you just said, because it is the beliefs that we have. And you have a chapter entitled, Can You Believe What We Believe? And it's one of those chapters that makes 
at least made me kind of chuckle because we believe some really bizarre things. You know, we live it, we continue it in our lives, we just take it because it was passed down, and we continue to do it. But if we really step back and witness some of the things we believe, they're, they're silly or crazy or even ridiculous because they're not necessarily in the best interest of anybody. Well, beyond not being in the best interest, and I agree with you, but beyond not being in the best interest, they're absolutely absurd. They're wildly dysfunctional. And when they're looked at in the cold light of day, most people would, would, would agree. When people look at those things, they say, you know, <laughs> you know what, I can't believe. I can't believe that we believe that stuff. Uh, and, and there are some who will always believe it, of course, because, by the way, to not believe it would be to make someone wrong who you don't want to make wrong. I once had a wonderful minister many years ago look me square in the face when I, when I went in to see this person with a great many personal problems in my life. And my personal problems were based substantially in my beliefs, my fundamental beliefs about life itself, who I am, why what's happening is happening, etc., etc., etc. And this minister, a wonderful person, looked at me and said, Neil, let me ask you a question. Who would you have to make wrong if you let go of those beliefs? And I realized, of course, that the answer was I'd have to make my mother wrong, my father wrong, my my family wrong, my culture wrong, my religion wrong, my political party wrong, all the things and people that I hold dear, I'd have to make them wrong. Or if, if wrong is too harsh a word, at least inaccurate, at least incomplete, which leads to a very astonishing question. Is it possible that there's something we don't fully understand here about God and about life, the understanding of which would change everything? Well, and it means that our beliefs might actually be a house of cards, because if you start getting into them, then it means we have an incorrect belief about love, because if we're afraid of, 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 of not believing something like Mom said, then all of a sudden our love belief is mistaken. And then if we don't believe that, then could God have been wrong about how they created Mom? And could then God be wrong? And it could just lead to a whole crumbling of everything that we know to be, but that might be exactly where we need to go. Or could we be wrong we about God? Or could we be wrong about God? See, I was asked on the, on the Today Show, and Matt Lauer looked at me. He did a wonderful interview with me some time ago, and at the end of the interview, he said, you know, Neil, we only have about 30 seconds. He said, but you, you claim to have talked directly to God, so can you tell us, you know, in one paragraph, because we have 30 seconds left, what is God's message to the world? And I said, Matt, I can give it to you in five words. Forget about the paragraph. He said, great, what's God's message to the world in five words? And I gave him the message from God to the world in five words. You want to know what it was? I would love to. You've got me all wrong. Mm. Very powerful. People thought I was going to say, you know, love everybody, embrace humankind, forgive your sins, you know, whatever, some kind of a, you know, umbrella, glorious, cloudy statement. But the statement was, you've got me all wrong. And that's the real question. Is it possible, just possible, that there may be something we do not fully understand here? about God, about life, about who we are in relationship to each other, about the function and the purpose of life and the process of life, the understanding of which would change everything. Let me just extrapolate on that just a bit, if I may, Simran. The question is not, the, the statement is not that somehow we are really wrong, but actually that we are simply incomplete in our knowledge. You, you know, uh, um, it, it's, it's, it's as if children were to learn their addition and subtraction. 
but they have not yet learned about multiplication and long division, much less algebra, geometry, and higher mathematics. But they're sitting there just with addition and subtraction, imagining that's all there is to know on the subject of math. And sure and certain that that's it. And you know what? What's interesting is that is all there is to know on math. You realize, I'm, I'm sure, Simran, that every mathematical question can ultimately be solved by the simple process of adding or subtracting. It may take you 35 years and the biggest blackboard in the world, but you can, in fact, through a formula of addition and subtraction, ultimately solve any mathematical question. However, using multiplication, long division, algebra, trigonometry, and higher math may allow you to do it in about a split second as opposed to 20 years of adding and subtracting. But the, the sadness is that, it, to use the analogy and take it one step further, people of the world are holding the knowledge of adding and subtracting, imagining that's all there is to know about mathematics. Ah, but you know what? In the area of theology, it doesn't quite work that way. It's entirely possible that our fundamental basic understanding of God in life is correct, but there may be something further to know on this subject. Now, here is something that people in theology, and religion in particular, do not like to do. In science, we do it. In technology, we do it. In medicine, we do it. It's called question the prior assumption. As soon as a scientist understands something, or thinks he understands something, he immediately begins to question his prior assumption. The same is true in technology. The same is true in medicine. No sooner is a medical discovery announced, than it's questioned and tested. And that's what has led humanity to the extraordinary advances it has made in these areas over the past several hundred years. But in the area of religion and theology, it is in fact not okay to question the prior assumption. It's called blasphemy. It's called apostasy. It's called heresy. You are not to question what you were told by others across the span of history, back 2,000 years and beyond, we are to stay with those answers and never again question the prior assumption. This has been the downfall of humanity. And my guest is Neil Donald Walsh, author of The Storm Before the Calm. It is book one in the Conversations with Humanity series and definitely a new human manifesto. What if right in this moment you looked at everything you believe? Can you actually believe that you believe that? What if you were able to choose what you could believe and you chose the highest beliefs possible? What kind of world could we create? Could we create a new cultural society? You can connect with Neil Donald Walsh at cwgvillage.com. You can also collect, uh, connect with The Global Conversation at theglobalconversation.com. And definitely look up the retreat that Neil Donald Walsh is having. It is April 9th through 12th, and uh, it is a way for you to connect with him and all of the work that he is doing. You can find out about that on the website cwgvillage.com and theglobalconversation.com. We'll be right back. Be Extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. 
as you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. Neil Donald Walsh asked one question of God and got the answer. What is the one thing that, that God wants us to know? And it's that we've got God all wrong. If we've got God all wrong, what else do we have wrong? And who's got it wrong or right? Who's got it better or worse? When we look at different religions, whether it's Bhagavad Gita or the Brahmins or the Tantras or the Tao Te Ching or the Dhammapada or Christianity or the Book of Mormon, maybe it's not that one is right or wrong or better than the other. Maybe they're all paths to the same place, just different ways. When we look at the Republicans and the Democrats and the Independents, maybe it's not that one's right and one's wrong, one's better or one's the other. Maybe they have concepts within each one that might be good paths to take, but we have to be willing to listen and look at the different options and come together and say maybe there's even a different way besides these. This involves having conversations, conversations with each other, conversations with ourselves, conversations with the greater humanity, and allowing an overhaul of humanity to take place when we're involved, when we're stepping in and being a part of it. And you can do that by connecting to Neil Donald Walsh, theglobalconversation.com, putting in your dialogue, being a part of that conversation, engaging with the people on that site, and picking up the book, The Storm Before the Calm, a new human manifesto that will guide you through this process, that will be the conversation, the convo monologues, and all of the different things that are inside of it that will help you to understand where we're going, how we're going, and all the questions you need to ask. This is book one in the Conversations with Humanity series, and I'm honored to have Neil Donald Walsh on the show today. So let's talk about those seven questions real quick, just so people have an idea, Neil, of what some of those questions are and, and how it works in questioning in ourselves and also in terms of bringing that dialogue uh, to other people and through the website, theglobalconversation.com. Yes, well, thank you, Simran, for the opportunity. It, it seems clear to me that if people are really are concerned with what's happening around the world and in their own personal lives, for that matter that they would sooner or later chance upon and be intrigued by the following question. How is it possible for 6.9 billion people to all say they want the same thing and be unable to get it? How is it possible for a species which declares itself to be at least reasonably evolved to all cry out for health, happiness, security, Opportunity, love, companionship, creativity, 
and all the things we all want. The agenda of humanity is identical at the highest level from person to person. How, how can we put a man on the moon and, and you know, break open the, the, the genome and, and discover the entire genetic coding for all of our species and yet be singularly unable to produce this result, not just for the past couple of weeks or it's been a couple of rough couple of months, or maybe even a bad decade or even, maybe even a bad century, but after thousands and thousands of years, we can't produce these simple outcomes. Is it possible? Question number two, the question I just asked a minute ago, is it possible that the reason we are unable to produce these outcomes for the largest number of people is because we're working with incomplete information, Hmm. bad data? Is it possible that there's something we don't fully understand about ourselves and about life, the understanding of which would change everything? And that is a key question. Is it possible that there's something you don't understand about who we are, that is, who our basic identity, that would alter our reality for the better forever? And then I invite people, those are what I call the three persistent questions of life. Questions, by the way, which nobody is asking. I would love for the President of the United States, the Prime Minister of, of any other country, the Pope, the Archbishop of Canterbury, all the COIs, that is, centers of influence in the world, in politics, in economics, in spirituality. And so I would love for all of them to stand up and just ask the question, wouldn't it be great if Barack Obama just stood up and simply said, how is it possible for us all to want the same thing and to be unable to produce that outcome? What is standing in our way? Now, the... Three persistent questions lead to what I call the four fundamental questions of life. And when these questions are asked and answered, the first three questions automatically answer themselves. The last four of the seven questions, the four fundamental questions of life, are these. One, who am I? That is, what is my actual and true identity? Two, where am I? That is, what is this environment within which I find myself? I, I know I'm on the Earth, a planet in the universe, a planet in the solar system, but, but physically, what is that? Where, where is that in the realm and the overall scheme of things? What is this place? Number three, why am I where I am? That is, what am I doing here? What is the purpose of this existence? Is there a point to life at all? Are we merely biological creatures? Or is there something more here than meets the eye? And number four, having answered the first three of those questions, what now do I intend to do about that? In exploring these kinds of issues, I am guided by the wonderful statement made by William Shakespeare, certainly one of the most glorious writers of any age, and in fact, a closet metaphysician, because it was William Shakespeare who said, there are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy. Well, and I loved that part of the book, especially there was one little box that stood out of me, and I just thought, wow, if, if everyone just looked at those few words in that little gray box, that would send them into a spin of thought so long, and that was, God is a process. You are engaged in that process now. And, and those are some of the answers that would come forward, because it's amazing if you let yourself answer those questions, not just the fleeting moment of, 
oh, well, who am I and where am I and how am I? Not just the, the quick answer, but really pondered it and then continuously asked that why. In the beginning of the book, you said, why is the one question, question we're not asking why? And it is that continuous why, even as we go deeper into these questions that you're offering us. And the answer that, to your question, why don't we ask these questions, is because, uh, one, people don't have time, or they imagine that they don't have time. They don't have the interest. They have uh, given other people the authority to answer these questions for them. They've given to their priests and their rabbis and their teachers and their messengers and their political leaders and their economic titans. They've given to others the power to answer these questions for them. I just want to get through the week. Can I just go bowling? It's Thursday night. It's my bowling night. Leave me alone. Yet, if in fact we leave people alone, if the biggest question on our mind this week is, how about them Dodgers? Mm. Then we have no one to look to but ourselves for the circumstances and conditions that we decry and that we observe in the world at large. Yet, I have great hope, because what I'm seeing now is an emergent body of human beings that I call the cultural creatives, a phrase that I borrowed from my lovely friend Barbara Marks Hubbard, and others in the new reality community. The cultural creatives who are in fact emerging from the largest gathering of humanity on this planet, who are asking questions a bit different from, how about them Dodgers? Who are in fact looking at the questions you and I are discussing here and are starting conversation groups around the world. We have in fact created what we call the Conversations Movement. It is the Occupy Movement writ large. It is about more than simply standing on street corners or in Times Square for that matter, but it is about gathering in homes and meeting rooms, in church halls, and everywhere we can talk to each other in an organized, ongoing way. The conversation movement has as its purpose the process of identifying the questions facing humanity and causing us now to give answers to those questions, and then allowing those answers to give rise to further movement and decision-making in our society. Every, By the way, every major decision that's ever been made anywhere, including the recent revolutions all over the Arab Spring area, including the Occupy movement and all of the other decisions that we'll now be making in the next several months as we move into the American political season and the election year of 2012. All of these choices and decisions begin with simple conversations around the dinner table, at the water cooler at the office, and indeed in our homes if we gather people together. So what I've invited people to do is to actually start conversation, global conversation meetings and gatherings in your home and invite people to join you in what I call the conversation of the century. And with people doing that, um, with people having these conversations and the communication expanding and ideas coming forward, what's, what's going to happen with all these ideas that are in the pot? You know, there are going to be some cynics that are going to say, well, you know, we can all be talking about stuff, but in the end nothing's ever going to change. And, you know, are we, are we really just being too altruistic? Are we really ever going to get close to anything 
like this well, that, will be that can actually impact change. There will be cynics who will say that, but to those cynics, I would, again, point to the Arab Spring. I would say, how do you think the Arab Spring got started? Do you think that suddenly, abruptly, there was an eruption on the 14th day of a particular month at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and suddenly, without any conversation beforehand, with no discussion whatsoever, suddenly 16,000 people showed up at a town square someplace and decided that things need to be different? Or is it possible, is it just possible, that in small groups of 3, 6, 8, 10, and 12, people were talking about it for months ahead of time, exploring the options, examining the situation, and proposing outcomes that could jointly be implemented? I suggest to you that nothing major that has ever happened in the history of humankind happened without a simple conversation of like-minded people gathering together at the outset to explore it, not the least of which, I might add, was the beginning of this country, this country being the United States, where this program is being broadcast, and that's true around the world as well. So, you know... To cynics who would say, well, it's just going to be talking, a lot of talking, hello, excuse me, that's how everything begins. And my guest today is Neil Donald Walsh. He is the best-selling author of Conversations with God in the series, and now he has released the start of a new series, Conversations with Humanity. This is book one, entitled The Storm Before the Calm. This is a new human manifesto, which is going to present to you seven simple questions that will allow you to begin the conversation that's taking place with so many others. How is it possible that 6.9 billion people can all claim to want the same thing, peace, security, opportunity, prosperity, happiness, and love, and be singularly unable to get it? Is it possible that there is something we do not fully understand about life, the understanding of which would change everything? Is it possible that there is something we do not fully understand about ourselves, about our own life and its purpose, the understanding of which would shift our reality and alter our experience for the better forever? And these questions take you to the four fundamental questions of life because initially you are the one that has to start the change and then expand it outward. And those four questions are, who am I? Where am I? Why am I where I am? What do I intend to do about that? Connect with this conversation at theglobalconversation.com. That's theglobalconversation.com, and you can join the dialogue and be part of the community. Also connect with Neil Donald Walsh at cwgvillage.com and have your uh, calendar set aside the dates of April 9th through 12th for the Turning Point Retreat. This is going to be an amazing retreat, and it is offered at whatever you can afford. Uh, and that would be using honesty. If all you can afford is a dollar, you can attend this four-day retreat, three-day retreat yourself just for the dollar. If you can pay the full price, then pay the full price. If you pay somewhere in between, whatever you can afford is what will be offered. This is about getting yourself where you need to be in the conversations that you need to be in. Again, Neil Donald Walsh at cwgvillage.com and theglobalconversation.com. We'll be right back. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 
11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. Neil Donald Walsh is my guest today, and his new release, The Storm Before the Calm, is a book you definitely need to get. It's something that will allow you to step into a consciousness and a conversation that will go deeper and allow you to know more of yourself more of where the world is headed, what we can do about it, and how we can create that new cultural humanity, new cultural story that is taking place for humanity during this overhaul. There are seven questions in here that Neil gives you that will allow you to start going deeper and finding out the answers that you're looking to have by having conversation with other people. And you can go to theglobalconversation.com and join that process and join that community. In answering the seventh question, what do I intend to do about that, Neil Donald Walsh's answer was, My idea is that I intend to keep myself aware that I am engaging in the process of God. God is a process. You are engaged in that process now. I have always been and I will always be. This is nirvana. This is pure be bliss. For pure bliss is the process of God. Godding. If people do not experience life in this way, it is because they do not know who they are, where they are, why they are, where they are, or what they intend to do about that. God is a process. You are engaged in that process now. And in doing that, you will find meaning, purpose, joy, connection, community. But you can't just let the party happen. You have to come to the party. You have to be in the party. You have to be engaged with the people that are at the party. Um, and that's what we're really having, isn't it, uh, Neil? We are in a sense, having a party. This isn't any sort of dying experience or catastrophic thing that's taking place in the different areas, whether it's economical or uh, political or even in the healthcare crises. There's not necessarily bad about it. This is an unfolding and a change that naturally needs to occur for us to get to something better. You know, Simran, you're right. And, And when I was a younger man, I would wake up at night, literally talk about waking up at night, wondering about things. I used to wake up at night wondering, what am I doing here? I mean, really, honestly, philosophically, spiritually, religiously, politically, economically, in every lee you can think of, what am I doing here? What is really the purpose of all of this? 
And I'm, I'm certain that everybody at one point or another in their life must ask themselves the same question. Really and truly, what is this all about? Are we simply biological creatures, just the result of a certain combination of chemist chemicals that produced us on the planet like every other living thing on the earth and in the cosmos? Or is, in fact, there something more going on here? And I asked that question, as all of us, I'm sure, do at one point in our lives, as I mentioned, and I got the answer. The answer that I received, which is contained in the 3,000 pages of the Conversations with God dialogue, brought new meaning, new purpose, new clarity, new insight, new understanding, new power, and new, as I said, new purpose to my life. I suddenly understood what I was getting up in the morning for, why I was going out the door, and what I was up to. And believe me, when you ask that kind of a question and get the honest answer, give yourself the honest answer, one outcome is you immediately stop doing two-thirds of the things you were doing. The second book in this series of books for the Conversations with Humanity series is a book called The Only Thing That Matters. And I'll give you the opening sentence of that book just to intrigue you a bit. The opening sentence is... 98% of the world's people are spending 98% of their time on the 98% of things that don't matter at all. Hmm. Wow. Just all of, all of the listeners, I'd like you to really think about where you're putting your time. I mean, that's exactly right. What do we spend our time doing that really doesn't even matter? And what could we be doing with that time? And the reason that we don't know that it doesn't matter is that we don't know who we are or why we're here. We haven't answered the larger questions. What is the purpose of life? Or if we have answered those questions, if we've received the answers from others, our religions or our philosophies, etc., we have failed to question those answers. Could it be true that the reason we're here is to behave properly, to do what God wants, so we can go back to heaven? Is that the reason we're here? I mean, fair enough. I'm not making fun of it. If that's your belief, fair enough. But then the question becomes, what is it that God wants? You know, and, and my, my whole world was turned upside down when I was about 13 years old, when I realized that the Pope changed his mind. I was a Roman Catholic child, and the Pope changed his mind about something as simple as, you can't eat meat on Fridays. For the first 13 years of my life, you couldn't eat meat on Fridays. Then the Pope said, well, actually, we were wrong about that. You can go ahead and have meat on Fridays now. We made a mistake. We, we, we talked about it for several hundred years, but it was a mistake. The same thing that the Catholic Church said about limbo about two years ago. Two years ago, the Pope Benedict said, you know what, we've been talking about limbo for the past several thousand years. Actually, there's no such place as limbo. We were wrong about that. Well, hello, hello, how many times do we need to hear our, our religions, our political parties, our philosophers tell us, actually, we didn't have all the data about that. So all I'm suggesting now it's not that we throw out the baby with the bathwater, not that we abandon everything, but do we have the courage to simply look at things and ask ourselves one simple question? What is it that we don't fully understand here, the understanding of which would change everything? And we must understand that regardless of whether it is your health, the economic situation, the political situation or anything else that's going on in this world, at the very basis of it, it is a spiritual problem in nature. For every person who is worried about our future, there is not a moment too soon to run out and get your copy of The Storm Before the Calm. This is Neil Donald Walsh's latest release, book one in the Conversations with Humanity series, and it has within it seven questions, 
simple conversational questions that will allow you to go deeper and also connect with other people in a way that you can start helping to develop the new cultural story for humanity. Connect with Neil Donald Walsh and these dialogues at theglobalconversation.com. In addition, you can find out more about Neil and all of his wonderful work at cwgvillage.com. Look up the Turning Point Retreat taking place April 9th through 12th and get yourself there. And while you're purchasing your copy of The Storm Before the Calm, definitely go back and reread the first book from the Conversation with God series. It's one of the most powerful I've ever read. It's definitely timely for all time, and it would be a good read right along with this one. Until next Next week, I'm Simran Singh. Be well. Thank you so much, Neil Donald Walsh. Thank you for stepping into the doorway of conscious choice with 1111 Top Radio. Please join host Simran Singh again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for another enlightening edition here on the 7th Wave Network. Remember, shift happens. Shift happens.